What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt, Lift, Eat official podcast. This is your boy, Perry, coming at you, joined by the two OGs here, Carter, Bobby. What is good, fellas? What's up, man? Good to have you back on here. Good to hear your voice. Now, when, when Bobby's editing these things, he doesn't have to listen to me drone yeah, on and on. You're going to have to keep your segment short today, Carter. Bobby's getting tired of hearing you, apparently. Yeah, it's just it's just way too much Carter in my life right now. I mean, it's just I hear his his voice in my sleep. You know, it's just it's just getting to be a little much. We, we do have a lot of together time. Yeah, too too much work wife time, huh? Yeah, I, I know how it, I know how it feels, fellas. Well, cool. Yeah, excited to uh, to come at you this week with some tips. I think we're going to focus on some various land management strategies. The three of us will kind of run through. Some of the different things we've been focused on on the uh, the properties that we that we uh, hunt and manage, um, what our points of emphasis this off season have been, and, and kind of how that's translating so far through this through the season early on. So that's the plan. Um, Bobby, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sounds good, man. So uh, I'll start by saying, like, I, I have a couple different leases that I do around here, and. Sometimes a lot of people say like, you know, how do you maintain and how do you manage so many leases going forward? And I think the biggest thing that I always do is you want to tackle it like 25 yards at a time. You don't want to look at like you have all these acreage of property all around you. And how can you make that possibly a great deer time place for you? Um, so what I do is I concentrate on separate. I break my properties down into separate fields, different areas, different things. So uh, I have ground blinds set up where I have my mock scrapes, my licking branches and all that right around there. And that's what I want to talk about mainly is uh, how I'm going about setting those things up for my properties. Um, now, generally, I don't know if everyone does it a little bit different. I don't like to keep my, if you're baiting or anything like that, I don't like to keep my food and my mocks too close together. I try to be at least 50 yards away from each other. So I want to have it a little more secluded off the trails um, and a little further away. So this year I went really hard with uh, rack getters, Gerard's products on the licking branch, his pre-orbital and his mock scrape rope. So I got that out early. And what I did was I set up my licking branch, probably like six feet off the ground, uh, maybe five, six feet off the ground on a nice branch, set that up. And then I made my own moss grape, you know, rustled up some leaves and did my best to look like a mature buck, you know, as small as I am, but, um, did, did my diligence there. So I got that set up. I felt really strong about it. And this year I can tell you that is the most activity I've had on camera is on that one camera watching that I have every deer, every buck on my property has come to that location now. And has really tried to take over that spot. So it's really interesting to me to see, watch them do their, you know, their daily rounds of mocking, making their own scrapes there, making their own licking branch, their rubs all around the area. So even if you don't use, you know, rack getters, which is an amazing product, you know, any product that you kink, I think that having that set location and using that and utilizing and concentrating on that little area right there is a huge thing to manage in your, uh, your property. Yeah. And we've said it before. We'll, we'll keep saying it, but, uh, Gerard's products over at racket or sense are fantastic. This is not a 
not a paid sponsorship or anything like that, but uh, all three of us just happen to use his products and have had awesome results. Um, that mocks great product, I think it's called uh, Climax. And I use it on all my properties too. Uh, and especially right now in October, like this is a fantastic and leading into November, this is a fantastic time for um, your mock scrapes because those bucks are hitting them hard, hitting them really hard right now. Um, as you know, these groups are starting to split off and um, testosterone levels are rising and everybody's kind of checking things out to see, see what the field is looking like from a uh, competition point of view. Um, yeah. So I love using mine, especially with that pre-orbital on the licking branch above, above that mock. And I do the same thing. I just kick out, you know, kick the, with the heel of my boot, scrape out some fresh dirt and dump it in there. And I actually used his, uh, I used the polymers for the first time this year. Um, Bobby, I've used a spray in the past, um, but I use, I use the, the polymer spheres um, and they just dump on the ground and they're kind of like Orbeez a little bit <laughs> like those. Yeah, yeah. And they like absorb with, with moisture and rain um, and, and then seep into the ground like that. And I guess that is like the most important part for these mock scrapes is the moisture, um, which has been tough. And I don't know about you, Perry, but we have had zero rain since the beginning of September, it has been unbelievably dry here. So my mock scrapes look like a freaking dust bowl right now. Yeah, we had, you know, we had Hurricane Ian that, that rolled through. We got some of that rain, but it's other than that, it's been pretty dry. But I, I mean, I echo everything y'all said. I was, you know, I was telling you, I I used um, Gerard's product, that same Climax deal myself this year. I You know, I got my stuff out early because um, I knew I was going to be, you know, up on our family farm. I, I was going to be there kind of intermittently. Um, this fall kind of leaning up to the, to the archery opener. Um, so it, it was a little bit early for, you know, I hadn't really seen that much scraping activity yet, but man, I went ahead and just put some of that stuff out there and it was, it was amazing how the bucks started hitting it almost immediately. They weren't really, um, doing a whole lot of active scraping back in September, but they were coming and checking it out like daily, twice a day, sometimes three times a day, um, you know, in, in daylight, not just, you know, not just during the night. So like I said, great product and, and it's a fantastic way to to get that inventory. Um, so that's good stuff. Um, I like what you said too, Bobby, about, you know, kind of breaking it up into, into manageable pieces, especially if you do have, um, a lot of properties that you're, that you're managing or that you're involved in. And that, it, that actually ties in well to my tip because, um, you know, we have, we have our family farm up there in Southwest Virginia and it's, you know, it's a relatively big, you know, piece of property. None of us live there. Um, you know, we're all at least a couple hours away, you know, have limited time between work and, and kids and, you know, life. And so, you know, we, we kind of have to do the same thing. If you try to, you know, the way you weigh, eat an elephant's one bite at a time. Right. And so we kind of have to, to make priorities and, and, um, attack it in sections. And, and that ties in really well to, to what, uh, what one of our off season goals was this year, which is, uh, managing the invasive species out there. Um, and that's something I've talked about before on this podcast, but, I think it's worth revisiting. It's it's been a huge off season goal of ours. Um, the property is is just been absolutely covered up in invasives, um, from your Russian olives to your Japanese barberry, um, multiflora rose, a number of others. Um, and you know when you got several hundred acres and you try to manage the invasive species, it could be a little bit daunting, a little bit intimidating, right? So, um, but what we've did this year was you know we talked with the owners. 
And we said, look, a lot of these, a lot of these pastures, you know, it's, it's a cattle lease. It's a cattle farm. Uh, we lease, lease it to our neighbor. A lot of these pastures are getting, getting overtaken by this Russian olive. It's starting to infiltrate into the grazing land and really take away from the quality and the quantity of the available um, pasture land for the cattle. And, and it's also choking out a lot of, you know, would have historically been um, our trails throughout the property, old logging roads, farm roads, et cetera, that we use, you know, to access our various stand sites, food plots, you know, et cetera. Um, and so one of the things we did this off season, we, we brought in a, uh, a forestry mulcher, had a guy come in on a skid steer with one of the big mulching heads. And he just spent um, a couple of days going through and, you know, clearing out a bunch of those olives. Um, we did a lot of just cutting uh, by hand with chainsaws or, or pole saws and spraying. Um, we spray, we try to spray all of the olives with uh, Tordon. Um, that's T-O-R-D-O-N. It's a great, it's a great herbicide for olives. The great thing about it is you can, you can apply it, um, you know, any time of the year. You just cut the stump or mulch it, you know, whatever. Paint it on there. It doesn't take much. Um, you can do it in spring, fall, winter, when they're dormant, doesn't matter. And it kills those damn things very effectively. Um, so that's been a huge off season goal of ours. Also, you know, do the same thing with a lot of the Japanese barberry, the multi-four rows, but, but really, like you said, Bobby, just, you know, instead of, instead of looking at the entire property and saying, golly, this, this place is overrun by invasive species saying, well, what can we, you know, what can we spend a few days or a few hours focusing on, you know, during that limited time where we can get the most bang for our buck. Um, we're not going to get this whole thing, you know, knocked out this year. This is going to be an ongoing process, but just, you know, allocate your resources and, you know, identify the sections where you can, where you can make some legitimate progress. Um, go ahead and, you know, in our case, get those invasive species under control in that one area, which then allows you to shift your focus down the road. Yeah. And those invasives that you have on that property are no joke. I'm, I'm glad it was probably the right time to, to get in there with the mulcher and, and get after it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was, it, it's something that's been neglected for, for several years now. Um, it's, it's been a, it's been a need for some time. Um, and it's, it's one of the, you know, there's depending on where you are in the country, there's any number of, of challenges that folks can deal with, with invasive species on their, on their land. But it's, it's man, it's tough. If you let it go, it's one of those things. If you let it go for a period of time, um, it can, it can take over and it can significantly change the, the, uh, the quality of your habitat, um, for the wildlife out there. So it's, uh, it's something, you know, it's something that I'm going to keep, keep harping on it. It's a, it's certainly a focus of mine. Um, you know, and it's at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's like you said, Bob, you just gotta, you gotta attack it in, in sections and try to make progress where you can. Yeah. I, I did something similar this year with, uh, you know, I hate sweet gums, Perry. We're overrun with sweet gums here. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, had a guy come in and pull them out. Um, just with, uh, with his, I don't, I don't even know what the fuck you call that machine, but thing with the big claw on it, little excavator, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, just ripped them out of the ground and got rid of, I don't know, probably 150 sweet gums on my property. <laughs> and nice. Uh, yeah, it was time. It was definitely time. There was, you know, no added benefit. Um, and I, I was hemming and hawing the last couple of years on what to do about them. And I was like, yeah, I guess I can like hack and squirt each of these. But like, I don't know, let's just rip them out and get the root ball out of there. And 
problem solved. And I'm glad I did now. It opened up a lot of interesting opportunities. And now I've been able to go back in and plant um, a lot of uh, native foliage. Like uh, I planted some beauty, beauty berries and a uh, um, couple wetland grasses around the pond that should be beneficial to deer and turkeys and, and uh, ducks and stuff like that. So opened up a lot of opportunities there. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, you know, sweet gum is basically just a, a woody weed. It's got basically no no wildlife value. You know, fire is not a bad way to manage sweet gum um, if you can do it, you know, safely on your property. But that can have its challenges as well. So, yeah, it's one of those deals when it comes to the uh, the the vegetation on your property, whether it be invasive or, or what have you. You know, it, there's always room for improvements, and those little incremental changes can really make a big difference. Um, for the, for the wildlife on your property. Yeah, for sure. Talk about making improvements for wildlife. That kind of rolls into my tip this week. Um, y'all have heard me talk about it ad nauseum probably, but, uh, food plots, that's been, that's been my obsession the last couple of years, uh, rocking the no-till method here in Georgia. And, um, yeah, my tip this week is just a shout out to two products that I really like, uh, that have worked incredibly well. Um, for my property here and the limited amount of equipment that I have. And, um, both those products, again, not a, not a paid sponsorship, just a company that we like and like to support. And, uh, I'm thrilled with how their products have, have worked for me. Um, I was watching, you know, eight does in my food plots last night, uh, with all their fawns running around like bats out of hell. And it was awesome. Made me happy. Um, but yeah, uh, these products are made uh, by uh, Buck Fever Seed Company, and they've been on the podcast before. Um, if you want to go listen to their episode, it's episode 77. Um, and I've been really pleased with their stuff. I got linked up with um, one of the guys who works with Buck Fever, Jeff Nagel, via a Facebook no-till food plot group a couple years ago, and he really helped me out and taught me how to do it. Um but the two products I used are their 10 ring product and their, well, their quick start clover and then their 10 ring product. Um, and the quick start clover is exactly what it sounds like. It establishes unbelievably quickly um, and gets green foliage on the ground uh, very, very quickly. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, the lack of rain has been very detrimental. We got nothing from Hurricane Ian. It missed us, which was a huge pain in the ass because my pond is extremely low and I just killed everything in my back 40 with herbicide in preparation for these food plots and dumped hundreds of dollars of seeds on the ground and then received no rain. So I just feel like I've just been throwing money into the woods, uh, which is something I think a lot of hunters can relate to. But um, yeah, the 10 ring product is, is legit. Uh, it's kind of like your do it all um, seed mix. It's got a little bit of everything. So it's got some early wheat, some barley, um, some oats, peas, soybeans, and it's got some brassicas, some purple top turnips. Um, it's even got stuff like not just for deer, which is kind of why I like it. It's got some Milo. Um, you know, it covers a lot of bases. It's got some clover in there, some red clover, some crimson clover, uh, a little bit of everything, right? Kind of a do it all. Um, which I really like. My goal for my food plots is to have something green back there through the entire season. That's my objective every year. Um, so I don't just plant all clover plots or all brassicas or all whatever. 
Um, I like to mix and match and they come and go. And this combination makes a lot of sense because, you know, the, the winter wheat grows really fast and it acts kind of as a nurse crop. So the clover doesn't get hit when it's too young um, by the deer and it can protect them that way. And, and they all work together. And, you know, I got to watch turkeys yesterday, which was cool. And it sucks. We don't have a fall turkey season. Um, but everybody was hammering down on these food plots and that's, uh, that's really rewarding. So if you're thinking about doing food plots this spring or even considering frost seeding, if you're in that a part of a country where you can frost seed your food plots, um, definitely check out Buck Fever Seed Co. Is that something y'all can do, Perry? Do y'all get snow like that to frost seed? Yeah, we've, we, we do, um, you know, and you don't actually have to have snow all you all you really need um is that good frost heave so basically you just need you need your soil to get down into the you know into into that freezing range um so typically you know up where we are i've done i've frost seeded the past two years now a couple of our little plots um i typically do it in that january february time frame you don't want to do it too early because the, you know, even if it's cold outside, the soil temperature can still be high. Um, and you don't, don't want to do it too late either because, um, you know, you want to allow the, the frost heave that it's, it's that, that multiple frost heave, you know, shrink swell of the soil over multiple days and weeks that allows the seed to kind of get down into the soil and then germinate in the spring. So, uh, yeah, it's something that we do. I'm going to definitely do, um, do it again this year, uh, and use the, use the buck fever guys, clover blends. I'm really excited to try those out. Um, that's something for sure that's on my off season to do list. Yeah, it's awesome. It's good stuff over there. Bobby, do you do food plots up there? Is that allowed? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I used to do it, but I also fell victim to the, uh, what I guess you could say like the throwing grow crap that's out there that does (laughs) nothing. Yeah. And I, I just never had good success. And, Listening to the podcast, listening to the Buck Fever guys, I realized like my soil that is so different from everywhere else, and that and that mix that you get that throw and grow is the same thing that they ship all over the place. So it's just like you know, talking to guys that tell you like, hey, listen, like the guys the Buck Fever, like, hey, this is what we would recommend for your area and everything like that is I think huge too because that's uh, it, you know, it, not everything's going to grow everywhere, and that's what's really nice about uh, having a certain seed company that you can really rely on. For sure. Well, and especially, yeah. And especially like you said, Carter mentioned and having that mix, you know, not just planting a uniform, you know, plot of clover or brassicas or, you know, whatever, but having a, a mix of, you know, cereals and, and, and legumes and brassicas, you know, whatever it allows, allows for some of that, you know, some are more drought resistant, some are more, you know, cold resistant, et cetera. So can increase your odds of success that way. I like when you say legumes, Perry. <laughs> Pictioner. No, not Pictioner. Grab a word for the day. There you go. That'll be the name of the episode. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, fellas. Um any uh any closing thoughts here before we wrap this one up? No, man, I hope everybody's having a good season. Uh rifle just opened here in Georgia and it's good to get outside. I got to take a, a coworker hunting for the first time and that was awesome. Oh yeah. Um, thank God we got to see a deer. Otherwise that would have been <laughs> a boring first time. So that was cool. Uh, but yeah, hope everybody's having a great season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I had an all day sit yesterday, got skunked. So that makes for a long day. But other than that, it's been fun, man. 
Appreciate you guys hopping on. Um, as always, go follow the uh, Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast on Instagram. Um, new Instagram page over there. Um, follow the Hunt, Lift official, Hunt, Lift, Eat official um, Instagram page as well. And as always, appreciate the hell out of you listeners out there. See ya.